glorious light. So if, you, if uh, you're here visiting with us online, we're glad that you're with us this morning. We're excited to uh, have you with us as we're going to do something together, both uh, virtually and in the house together today that's exciting. We're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper, and uh, I'm glad to be able to do that with you guys this morning. And it's awesome to have, you know, um, we're, we're kind of full, almost, we still have a few spots, but uh, uh, we're glad, it's good to have everybody in here singing. Man, that was beautiful, just hearing all the voices. And I'm excited about uh, just having everybody get back together. Unfortunately, uh, I've been planning to have us back on the 14th, but uh, because of the order with Governor Parsons, I'm going to delay that one more week to the 21st when we uh, come back to a more normal schedule with child care and all of those things. So, uh, but we were still we're going, to, going ahead with our plans, and you'll hear more details about that as we go forward. And so um, uh, now we were just talking about next week, Church in the Park, is coming next week, so we will not be here. Uh, we will be at the park. If you show up here next week at 10 a.m., we're going to already be praising the Lord at the park. So you can go to Harrisonville City Park. If you're watching online, there'll be plenty of safe space. You can come and sit. You can sit six feet. You can sit 12 feet. You can be 20 feet apart if you want to be. There's plenty of space. But uh, the cool thing is we don't really want to be apart. We want to be together, and that's, that's what's awesome. So if you have your Bibles, we turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This morning we're going to talk about Christ, our Passover, from 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 7 and 8. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the seat rack either under you or the one in front of you. And uh, you, sh- you can turn to page 1525, page 1525. Uh, this year we've been talking about wholeness and holiness. Uh, that's how we kicked off the year. We took several weeks at the beginning of 2020 to look at our, our need to long for eternity, our need to realize our identity, and then fulfill our ministry. And I took, man, I think it was probably five or six weeks to talk about that. And it's hard to believe that uh, we are already uh, 42% of the way through the year. Today marks 42 percentile. So we're almost halfway through 2020. Can you believe that? I mean, that's unbelievable. I know that's depressing. But, uh, but uh, we are about halfway through, 42% as of today, and by the end of next month, by the end of June, uh, we'll be 50%. And so, um, and so that, that really, that's a lot of time that's gone by, and I, I thought about how are we doing with wholeness and holiness. There's not a better time uh, than right now uh, to focus on that as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, not just because of our church, but really because of the context of our church in the heart of a crooked and perverse nation, a heart that's very confused, very divided, very hurt. You can use all kinds of adjectives to describe uh, our nation right now, Um, scared even. You know, people, it's just, it's just, uh, it's a difficult time for a lot of people, even in the church. Uh, But the reality is, is that that, uh, we come together today in Christ, and not even death can stop us. I mean, that's an amazing peace that God gives us. And so if you remember back to the first part of the year when we started talking about wholeness and holiness, uh, I spent a lot of time in the book of Isaiah. And I was focusing in Isaiah chapter 6 in that passage uh, where um, uh, Isaiah is called. You know, it's obviously a a very familiar passage to most of us, and and a lot of missions conferences use that. But I was looking at it from a different perspective because really uh, uh, Isaiah was not of any use until he understood his identity, that he understood his sin was purged, and then he became that prophet. Uh, And you go back to the beginning of Isaiah and read that introduction, those first five chapters, and you can see, uh, you know, how useful uh, God was using him to be a messenger to the nation of Israel at a key time. 
And really this room and those that are watching online, if you're born again, God wants to use all of us at this time. It's so important that we are focused on the things above and not on the things of this earth at such a time as this so that we are actually useful in helping uh, change the, 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 the tide and the tone of the things that you see going on all around you, not just on, in, the, in this world in which we live in Cass County or Henry County, Bates County, uh, wherever county you're from, Miami County, Jackson County. No, no, not just in this area, but all over the world. Uh, the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ got to be like Isaiah. And remember, as he saw the Lord lifted up high and he saw those seraphim saying, Holy, holy, holy. All he could see is that, man, I am in the wrong place. And maybe you came this morning and you're watching online and you feel that way like, man, I'm in the wrong place. I am not holy, holy, holy. Uh, well, you know what? None of us are until we meet Christ. Christ is the one who makes us holy. And so he's the one who sanctifies us and sets us apart for his honor and glory. So, so uh, with all the unrest in the world, this is a perfect time for us to long for eternity, realize our identity, and fulfill our ministry. And we can do that because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He freed us from the curse of sin and death. And we, like the children of Israel, are now free from the bondage of sin. Right? We can, we're outside of Egypt. If you're born again, you're free. So now it's a matter of progressing, right? Going forward and obtaining that inheritance that God has for us. And uh, in the book of Exodus chapter 12, we see the, the Passover is instituted along with that liberation that came to the nation of Israel. And it was a key. Uh, the Passover was a key thing that God allowed in the life of the nation of Israel because he was eventually going to fulfill it. And that's going to be our key. That's our ticket. Jesus Christ, our Passover. Christ, our Passover, is the key to the freedom from sin and death. It's the key to freedom, uh, not only from where we came from, but also where we're going. And so it's so important not to get, uh, you know, dissuaded to the left or to the right, but to stay focused on where we are all heading, and that's to heaven. Because we want to take as many people with us as we can. And so what a great time it is to be taken to the streets. What a great time it is to be meeting at the church in the park next week in, the, in public, in the middle of, uh, of, uh, of our community here of this county, the seat of this county. So this morning, God wants us to gird up our minds and be transformed. Uh, I, I, one of the passages I mentioned and kind of jumped off on many uh, at the beginning of the year was First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Uh, Peter writing says, uh, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. And, and I wanted to mention this because when we get back to Exodus 12 here in just a minute, you're going to find that when the Passover was instituted, the first Passover, uh, they were to be girded up and ready to go. Right? And, and so Peter Right After the resurrection, after the ministry of Christ has started, after the Holy Spirit has indwelt the church, he writes an epistle and he says, gird up the loins of your mind, be dressed up. Now, not in a, you don't have to wear a tie, you don't have to dress up, you don't have to wear a suit, but gird up the loins, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Apostle Paul says. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance, right? Don't go back and live like you used to. It's time to leave that behind and to go forward in faith, right? To, we are new creatures in Christ, so Peter's saying act like it, right? Live like it, because you can if you're born again this morning, and I can too. But as he which hath called you is holy, right? As he is holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation, all manner of lifestyle, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Our, our identity is now found in Christ. Christ is our Passover. So if you would stand with me, 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 7 and 8. Really short passage. 
I'm going to read this, and, and for time's sake, I'm going to be moving along here. So if you're joining us for the first time, uh, I'm glad you're with us. Uh, hang on. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse uh, 7. The Bible says here, Purge, purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump. As ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that we would be sincere and full of truth. Lord, our hearts would be completely right before you, and Lord, they'd be filled with truth. I'm so thankful for those that are joining us both in this building and online this morning. I pray, God, that you would lead us. Lord, there are people who identify with the world. They identify with bondage. They identify with the things of this earth. And yet, Lord, you have called us to be holy because you are holy. You are no longer on the earth. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. There are seraphim saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You are, you are seated above all principality, above all power. Heavenly Father, there is nothing wrong in the third heaven this, this morning. And we are so thankful to escape to that place. But, Lord, we need some of that here on earth. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, this morning you would use this time uh, in this group of people, this local New Testament church and all the saints that are listening. Lord, that we would, would draw nigh to you, Lord, with sincerity and truth. Lord, that any leaven, any sin in our lives would be purged. Lord, that we would put it under the blood. And, Lord, we would go forward in faith and power in your name. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So there's a lot here in what I just read, even in those two little verses. Uh, but I want to focus this morning in the time that we have on this phrase, this phrase, Christ our Passover. Christ our Passover. What does that really mean? Well, this morning we're going to look at three aspects of that. First, the power of preparing for the Lord's Supper. Because we don't celebrate the Passover because Jesus Christ is the Passover. We celebrate what we call the Lord's Supper or communion. And, uh, and so the, we also are going to look at the power of the picture of the Lord's Supper because the Passover is actually a picture of the real thing. The authentic thing is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last thing we're going to do this morning is we're going to participate, right? The power participating in the Lord's Supper. So those are the three things that we're going to see this morning. So let's start. If you have an outline, by the way, I have outlines for today. Uh, the first thing you're going to see is the power of preparing for the Lord's Supper. So I want you to, to notice Paul's purpose in this. Paul is going to take this letter to chapter 11. Now, we're going to get there ourselves later on this morning. But Paul is going somewhere with this letter. He's talking about the Passover. He's talking about keeping the feast. He's also talking about having sincerity and truth, the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth versus the leaven right, of the sin of our flesh, the sin of the world and all the things that we compile. Now, he starts off this chapter dealing with a gnarly, gnarly sin issue in the church. He knows there's sin in the church. He doesn't say, okay, let me teach you about this, and then let's take the Lord's Supper. He waits several chapters to even give them instructions on how to take the Lord's Supper because before he gets to the Lord's Supper, he has to deal with sin because that's really one of the things the Lord's Supper reminds us of is that we have a place for sin, and it's not in our lives. It's on the cross. And we got to put our sin where it belongs. And, and sometimes we don't want to. Sometimes we love our sin. We're insincere and we're dishonest. And we've got to, what the Lord's Supper causes us to do is come to that place where we say, you know what, I've been insincere and I've been dishonest. That's the real hard issue. Is you just take the end of that verse that we just read and, and turn it upside down and, and, and turn it inside out. 
If you want to know if you're ready to take the Lord's Supper this morning, I'll tell you. Just look at your heart. Are you, are you, are you insincere and are you dishonest? Are you lying to God? Are you lying to yourself? And are you, and, and are, are you not sincere about serving the Lord Jesus Christ who bought you? Now, this message is to people who are born again. If you're not born again this morning, uh, you need the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This message will fit like a hand in glove as well for you. But I'm talking this morning particularly to the church. Paul was writing this letter to the church, people who are born again. And yet in the church, in chapter 5, in the first few verses, I'm not going to read it for time's sake, he's dealing with a man who's having a sexual relationship with his father's wife. Whoa! I mean, you could get that on Oprah or, or well, no. What's that one? Jerry Springer. Uh, you know, some one of those crazy shows, whatever. I don't watch any of that junk. But anyway, Dr. Phil, whatever. You know, that's just craziness. And yet that was, the craziness was going on in the church. Paul's like, man, everybody knows that's messed up. Even, you don't have to be a Christian to know that. So what do you do with that? Well, you've got to purge it. So he's actually dealing with, the, in the context, he's dealing with sin, not only as it affects individuals, but how individual sin affects the body of Christ. And that's all another reason that we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Because we need to make sure we're all right with God. Because if Brian's not right with the Lord, guess what? I'm going I'm, I'm to not be uh, effective for you all. And vice versa. We're going to be trying to do, do a VBS. We're going to try to go take it to the streets. And if someone's not right with God, next thing you know, people are going to be insincere. And they're going to be pretending that they're right with God. And the next thing you know, it's not going to be manifest until it's something mission critical. And man, then that's when somebody's going to go down and blow the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. Man, we can't have that. Now, it happens, doesn't it? How many of us have, have never blown our testimony or messed up the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ or the church? All right, so at least we can all be honest, right? We're all, we're all, full, we're all honest about this, including the preacher. I mean, too often, right, we find ourselves in that situation. That's also why we come to the Lord's table, because we find that there's forgiveness. Oh, whew, how many of you need that this morning? I know I do. Uh, man, praise God for the reminder that our sins are under the blood, and hallelujah, that they are forgiven. It's amazing love, truly, that God loves us that much. It's, it's outstanding, the love of Christ. And so, so Paul does three things in this chapter. First, he confronts sin in the first three verses, and then he, he explains the consequences from verses 4 through 13, and then he corrects the sin in verse 5. And so that's a little outline of how that chapter rolls out. So our purpose in meeting today is for the, the same purpose. Before we eat up, right, we need to clean up. And I've been talking about this, right? Been, we've been anticipating because of COVID, like getting together. So hopefully our hearts, you know, we've been praying and preparing ourselves before today. And I also want to look at the picture, Christ's picture in the Lord's Supper. Because in 1 Corinthians 5 and verses 7 through 8, he, he deals with these elements of Christ being the Passover, right? Sacrifice for us, Christ our Passover, Notice it's personal to us, it's ours, it's possessive. Uh, but also, uh, he say, he's also dealing with not with old leaven. Right? We don't need the leaven. The leaven of, of malice and wickedness. Right? That is not to be part of what we're doing, but to have that, that unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Because Jesus Christ, we know, is the bread of life. Right? This book is the, the bread of life. God has given us bread this morning. He's given us his word, his promises. It's true. Hallelujah. And so... And so when you're studying types, uh, Christ, it doesn't say Christ is like our Passover. I love that about the Bible. It's very specific. It says Christ our Passover. Because the Apostle Paul is pointing something out. It's a mixed group there in Corinth. There, was, there were Jews, very cantankerous Jews. There were Gentiles in the church. But he's pointing out that 
Christ is, in theological terms, he's the, what we would call the anti-type, which kind of is confusing because you think of anti-Christ. But he's anti-type means he's not the type. He's the authentic thing. He's the real McCoy, as we like to say. He's the, he's the, he, is the, he is not a picture of the Passover. The Passover is a picture of Jesus. Ah, now we understand some things. So as we look at the celebrating the Lord's Supper, there's a picture here that God has for us. So Christ, Christ's picture is, is, uh, is, is in the Passover. So Paul points out how the Passover is fulfilled in Christ. And he doesn't say Christ is like our Passover. He says Christ is our Passover. So when you study types, uh, this is what we learn. So Paul's reminding us of what he, he will write in the next uh, few chapters in chapter um, in chapter 10, he'll go on in verses 6 and 11 and, and tell them that the things that were written for are for our learning. Did you know that? There's people that I just read, I just heard some guy on the radio, on a Christian radio station the other day say, yeah, I never read the Old Testament. And I, you know, I've been saved for, well, I don't know if he even said he was saved. I don't even know if he is saved. Some guy on a Christian radio station says he never read the Old Testament, which I get that if he just got saved. Uh, but uh, his whole, if he is a Christian, his whole Christian life, he's never read the Old Testament. I'm like, wow. Man, that's too bad. Because if you're like me, uh, a lot of the things that really get me excited, they're found in the Old Testament because they're found in picture form, right? And so those pictures in the Old Testament really illustrate or illuminate those stories and those images that you see. They're so vivid. They help us understand the reality of what's unpacked and and what we find when we get to Christ. And so in Romans chapter 15, Paul wrote a similar thing. Uh, to the Romans, he says, for, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Paul's encouraging us to get, get the leaven, right? Get the leaven the, the, of wickedness out of our lives and get the sincere truth in our lives. And he does that by pointing us back to the things that are written. We have hope. By God's grace, we will pay attention to Paul's lesson as we look at the picture in the Old Testament, which is what I want to do now. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 12 in the Old Testament. So we've seen the real thing. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Passover. He is our Passover. But now I want you to see the picture from the Old Testament perspective, the power of the picture of the Lord's Supper. This is point two if you're on the outline. The power of the picture. The first thing that we see there is that the Passover was a priority. In the first two verses, we see the Apostle, or not the Apostle Paul, we see Moses say, uh, and the Lord using Moses say, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, Notice he receives this in the world. Isn't that awesome? You don't, you don't have to wait. A lot of people got this backwards. They're looking for heaven on earth. You're not going to find it until you find Christ. God gave him this promise while they were in Egypt. And this is what he tells them in verse 2. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. What's that got to do with the price of tea in China? Well, God is going to establish this Passover, and this Passover becomes such a priority, it begins their calendar. It starts their year. This is a big deal. And the reality is, I just had a man kneel down this, just, what is it, Sunday, Friday, knelt down and prayed in my office to receive Christ. Woo! His calendar just started. His life just started. Eternal life just began. That day, I said, before he left my office, I said, you remember this day. Remember this day. Why? Because, man, that's a priority on your calendar. Well, guess what? Israel's getting ready to flee the bondage of Egypt, man. Get out of the world that's oppressed them their whole life. This whole world right now feels oppressed. And, uh, and, and all. man, listen. Listen to me. Jesus is the way out. Jesus is the way out. He's the one that brings you out of bondage. And it's a good day when you find that out. It's a good day when you find out that Jesus Christ is your Passover. So let's talk about that. 
So, so we see that this month is the beginning of months, but also the Passover was a picture. So let's paint the picture together, right? When you, let's, let's do a little number painting. I got a little watercolor up there. That's about my style of painting. So the Passover is a picture. Uh, so every house needs a lamb. Every house needs a lamb. In the text here, notice that. And notice it says, A lamb, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month shall ye take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb. So on the tenth day you take a lamb. All right? So getting the lamb is important for not only you, but it's important for your house. Amen? Men? Right? So men, if you're leading your house, it's important to have the lamb. Don't try to lead your house without the lamb. You need a lamb. You need a lamb because it's going to. It's, it's what not only sets you free, makes you free. It's what helps your family. So that this this uh, so those that are, those men were to get a lamb and they would provide for their house. Now this lamb is going to be a meal. In this particular case, is sacrifice. Notice the lamb was proven uh, for perfection. He was to get on the tenth day. He had till the fourteenth day to examine it, make sure there was no spot, there was nothing wrong with it, that this lamb was suitable for sacrifice. It's the best lamb. Later on in the text, we're not going to read it. In Exodus 12, it's to be the firstlings, right? The first In the first year, you got to get this lamb. It's, it's a fresh lamb. It's a, it's a spotless lamb. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Men, are we leading our homes with the spotless lamb? I mean, really, uh, what are we doing? And so they had five days, the number of, of, of death, uh, to examine that sacrifice. And one of the reasons is because they were looking. They were looking for any flaws. And from Genesis through Deuteronomy, the law illustrates like a picture book, the person of Christ. Because you know what? You're not going to find any flaws with the Lamb of God. Sometimes people are like, well, Brian, I don't believe. Well, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to take the book that's written about the Lamb. Just examine this book from cover to cover. And you'll find out it's spotless. It's flawless. And I tell you what, you've got, you've got access to the lamb. Uh, now, notice it says a lamb in verse 3. But then it goes uh, to the lamb in verse 4. He goes, on to say, uh, <clears throat> he goes on to say, And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the, the lamb. Now, we go from a lamb to, to the lamb. And, uh, and so all the houses are... I got news for you, beloved. There ain't one of our houses that's, that's uh, big enough to contain the lamb. God does it. This lamb that we're talking about, this is a picture. The reality is that when you get Christ in you, the hope of glory, when he inhabits his tabernacle, when he comes into your life, your body becomes a temple, the Holy Ghost worships, gets going on, it's designed to overflow. It's designed to overflow into your family. Your family is designed to overflow on your community, in your neighborhood, and the people around you. That's really why we gather today to get holy Right to remember that we are holy because He is holy. Why? Because God needs us to be who we are in Christ. He needs us to remember that we're purged from our sin because He wants to get out of the house. <laughs> you think you hate you hate being cooped up, don't you? You don't like being cooped up. I mean, they let out a little a little a little space, and everybody's at the lake. Man, they're getting down, getting on it, going crazy. Everything it's all over the national news. Why? They want to get out. Well, what do you think Jesus wants to do? There's a reason he built into the picture this lamb. He wants to get out. If it ain't enough for your house, guess what? If you can't consume all of him, you need to give him away. And let me tell you, beloved, when we get saved, we tap into a well that never runs dry. It don't go away. You got more Jesus than you're ever going to be able to consume, so you better get ready to give him away. 
Right? If evangelism is not part of your program, you need to get right with God. Maybe that's why we're here this morning, because we're not committed to evangelizing. We're not committed to being sincere and getting the word out. God wants us to take the land to other people's houses. That's the truth. He fills us up so we can overflow. All our houses are too little for the Lamb of God. He's meant to be taken to the ends of the earth. That's what he tells his disciples. Go ye therefore. It's often said that your relationship with Christ, if it's not contagious, what is it? Anybody know? Contaminated. Amen. Right? If it isn't contagious, it's contaminated. And ergo, Paul writing 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He's going to the Corinthians and saying, guys, come on. This is contaminated. You're not doing anything. This, isn't gonna, this ain't going to go beyond the walls of the Corinthian church. We've got to shut this down. We've got to take this leaven out. and We've got to replace it with sincerity and truth. So that we can make an impact in a world that's burning down. Tap into Jesus. If it's not contagious, it's contaminated. Your lamb. Oh, yeah, it goes to your lamb. Look at verse 5. I've got to be done here. I'm about, about out of time. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year... You shall take it out of the sheep, this is verse 5, or from the goats, and keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts, upon the upper posts, and the house wherewith they shall eat it. And they shall eat uh, the flesh in the night, roast uh, with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Uh, eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, the head with the legs and with the uh, pertinence thereof. Verse 10, And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. Boy, there's so much here I want to get into, but I don't have time. Let me just say this. We've seen a lamb, and then we looked at the lamb, but now this is your lamb. Right? This, is, this, isn't, this isn't someone else's lamb. This is your lamb. That's what it says in verse, that's what it says there in verse 5. You see how that works? There's a lamb. There's the lamb. But make him your lamb. A lot of people know about Jesus. There's a lamb. Okay, yeah, I knew about that. Oh, yeah, he's the lamb. But there's got to be a point in your life where you take it personal. It's your lamb. And I love the way the text lays out here. It talks about the lamb that's yours as though it's the only lamb in existence. Take it, do this with it, do this with it, as though there's only one lamb. And you know why that's that way? Because God in heaven already knew when he was painting the picture what he was wanting to communicate, because there is only one lamb. And, and uh, John the Baptist proclaimed him. He says, this is the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. There's the lamb. And it needs to be a lamb, and it needs to be your lamb, because he's the lamb. All right. I'm preaching in the choir, but maybe somebody out here is listening, and you, you're like, man, I never got that. Right? You knew about Jesus. You, you, maybe even in this room. Maybe you've been coming to church, and you know about Jesus. You, you know that, and you believe it. He's the lamb. He died. He rose again. Great. That's even good. But until you kneel down and confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, you're not saved. That lamb needs to be your lamb. And so with sincerity and truth, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He will save you. It's awesome when that happens. Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus, 
who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That's why you got to make him your lamb. Because he tasted death for you and for me. Your lamb must be without blemish, it says in verse 5. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8, 29 says he is the, he is the, the best. He is the priority. He is the preeminent child of the Father in heaven. He is the firstling of the flock. And then we need to keep your lamb. So your lamb must be without blemish, and then you need to keep your lamb. Jesus is yours, right? Don't trade him in for something else. Keep your lamb. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus never sinned. He was kept sinless as well by the Father. The Father kept him. He lived 33 years, never sinned once. And you better believe he can keep you. So, man, put your eggs in his basket. Keep the lamb. Also, kill your lamb in verse 6. He says, keep him in verse 5. Kill him in verse 6. What? Yeah, think about this. I thought about this. I never really thought much about it. But when it comes to the Passover, you're getting this commandment. You're getting one of the choice of the flock. Uh, that you're going to pull out first year and without spot blemish, you're waiting a few days to, to slay it. But at the end of the day, you actually got to slay it. Uh, that, that man of the house had to take a knife and slit its throat and, and uh, gut it, and, and then he had to roast it and cook it up. <clears throat> and so, which for a Jew at that time is not a big deal, but the reality is you got you to be involved in this. Something that was, was as close to unblemished as possible had to lose its life so that your family could be fed and that the death angel does not touch your house. So that death angel passes over your door. And it's not just enough to slay that. That blood has to be collected and that blood has to be put upon the threshold of the door. We'll get to that in a second. So that that death angel pass over. You kill that lamb. Now, beloved, a lot of people today want to blame the Jews for killing Jesus. A lot of people want to blame um, uh, the Romans for killing Jesus. But there has to come a point in your life. And what the Lord's Supper reminds us of is that really what Jesus said, nobody can take his life. He gave it. And he gave it for me. And he gave it for you. And that's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. He gave his life like a lamb. That lamb wasn't running away. That lamb wasn't fighting, wasn't jumping up and kicking its owner. That lamb just stood there while the owner gets out a knife and slices its throat. I tell you what, this gentleman that, that uh, was, was killed up in Minnesota, that's how he, he reminded me of a lamb. Big old guy, used to play professional football, just laying there. I saw a young man in, in uh, North Africa do the same thing uh, for Christ's sake. He literally was, they found out he was saved. His Muslim buddies took him out. And instead of fighting him, he just let him slice his throat and he bled out. I couldn't, I mean, it was shocking. It's just, it, I think I got PTSD because of it. And that's not funny. I mean, it was shocking to see. It's true. It wasn't, it wasn't some doctored video. And it forced me to really look at what the Bible says, that we're like sheep led to the slaughter. For centuries, that's the normal Christian life. And when life gets so tough and so bad and everything's in situ- a situation, it's like, oh, yeah, that's an easy way out. But you know why a young man 20 years old would do something like that and give his life up? He did that for his friends. It's the same thing Jesus did for us. He gave his life for us. And he loves us. He cares for us. He put himself on the, he made himself like a lamb. He made himself lower than the angels. So he could be in a position to be the sacrifice for our sin. I mean, come on, man. God didn't have to do that. He chose to do that because he loves us. And so that's why we eat, right? Verse 7 says, eat, eat, 
your lamb needs to be eaten. This is a, a hard saying. Who can hear it? Jesus is not talking about transubstantiation here. We don't, we don't have sacraments at HBF. These are just elements is what we call them. Why? Because they're just a picture. They're just a type. This is not us earning our way to heaven. Right? We do this because Jesus Christ has already paid. And man, we take it in. We take it in and we remember what Jesus did. Historically, the Jews literally killed the sacrifice. But Jesus has already died for our sin. We understand he died on the cross for our sin. And so we taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Do you trust in him this morning? And then we apply the blood to the door. I've already alluded to this. The death angel will pass right over the door of our heart. John 10, 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. In John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. you got to come in at the door like the old spiritual says, right? He's so wide you can't get around him, so low you can't get under him, so high you can't get over him. Where do you got to go? you got to go in at the door. And that door is covered by the blood of the lamb. Your lamb was judged on the cross for your sin and my sin. And in verse 9, that's also what we see. Eat not of it raw, nor of it sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. The Lord Jesus Christ, as he was on the cross for those three hours, all of hell, all of God's judgment, all of his wrath was poured out upon him in that space of time. He was consumed and he was purged and he had no sin to start with. But he died for our sin. That, that what was purged on the cross wasn't his sin, it was ours. It was his sacrifice, it was his blood that was shed, and it was a perfect sacrifice. My lamb, your lamb, was completely consumed in verse 10. It says, And ye shall, ye, ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. When we think about the, the fury of God's just wrath being put on any man, it's, it's unbearable. His holiness is unbearable, as we saw in Isaiah. The reality is there has to be an advocate. There has to be, as the Bible calls it in 1 John, propitiation. And that man, of, that, man uh, that, that stands in that place is the Lord Jesus Christ. He made it very simple. There's one way, there's one truth, there's one life. It comes through him. And beloved, don't, don't doubt it. There's no more work for salvation. It was all done on the cross 2,000 years ago. When he said, it is finished, it was finished. And it was done. He was completely consumed. Our lamb was consumed. My lamb was consumed. Your lamb not only saves you, but listen to this, he sustains you. In verses 11 through 13, just, just read this quickly, and i got to be done. It says, And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste, and this is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses wherein ye are. And when I shall see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. It reminds me of the old song, I will pass, I will pass over you. Amen? Probably nobody remembers that song, but that was a good old hymn. I will pass over you. Man, the Lord's going to pass over. Why? Because of the blood of the Lamb. And that brings us full circle back to where we are in our vision for 2020. Because celebrating the Lord's Supper not only reminds us of what we're saved from, but it reminds us 
when we remember the Lord Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb, our Passover, it not only reminds us of what we've been forgiven of, but it also reminds us of what we've been given. Right? It's not only what we're saved from, but what we're saved to. It's not only where, we're, where we came from and all the sin that we were saved from, but it also provides us a look forward to what we're saved to. It gives you an, a glimpse of your inheritance. It helps you remember your identity. God was taking Israel places. He, he wasn't instituting the, the, the Passover because he wanted them to stay static. He wasn't giving them this ordinance to kick off their calendar because he just wanted them to forget about it. He did this for a reason. Yes, it is a picture of Christ, but he was taking them somewhere. He wasn't just taking them out of Egypt. He was taking them through the wilderness so they could get to the promised land. And beloved, if the church needs to wake up, if we need to understand anything, it's that, man, when we remember the Lord's table, listen, God has taken us somewhere. And we need to get in business. We need to have the loins of our minds girded up, and we need to be ready to go. I think COVID might put us to sleep a little bit, you know, a little bit. Oh, a little folding of the hands, right? And, and next thing you know, you just settle into sleep. No, wake up. Wake up. It's time to go. It's time to go because Jesus Christ is our Passover. You can see in the text, that's what was going on, man. He says it in verse, verse 11, and, and thus shall you eat of it with your loins girded. Have your clothes on, right? Have the loins of your mind ready. Have the word of God dwell in you richly. Don't fall asleep. Don't get distracted. Don't let anything but this book be the focus of your heart and your mind. Else you will be leavened with insincerity and you will be a liar and it will be judged. I'm not talking to lost people. I'm talking to the church. God forbid that would be us. The sacrifice not only saved them from the curse of death, but it provided them the life. Man, the life and the strength of, that, they, that they needed to get out of Egypt. Woohoo! Some of you today listening to me maybe online, you're like bogged down and it is a, a meth, it's a meth hit. It's a, it's a drug problem. It's a woman problem. It's a whatever problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. It's a bondage. But the reality is in Christ, listen, you're free from, the, from Egypt. You're free. You say, but I don't feel free. I don't care how you feel. If you're born again, you are free. You are holy because he's holy. And just get with him. He'll get you there. He'll take you there. He's taking you somewhere. So let me quickly rattle through some things. Just some things. There's more. You can dig this up on your own. Maybe we should have a Bible study uh, and just everybody dig into this text and find things pictured here that, that help us understand where God's taking us. But let me just list off nine of them. I just quickly found nine. This is the number of fruit bearing. Number one, God provided escape through the lamb. He provided nutrition through the lamb. He provided water from the rock, right, as they progressed out. Then he miraculously provides them water in a thirsty land. Then he provides them food from manna. And then when they don't get like the manna, he gives them quail until they're ready to get sick. I mean, he, he deals with his people. He takes them. And they weren't sinlessly perfect, by the way. And you won't be either. But you need to get, get going that way. Because God's provided. He gives them the word of God on Mount Sinai. He gives them direction and instruction from the word. And from that they were able to worship in the pattern of the tabernacle. And then God provided them weapons to fight their enemies. And they started taking out the enemies even before they got in the promised land. And then the next thing you know, God raises up leadership. And leadership is the one. A man named Joshua. His name is Jesus. Another type in the Bible. He leads them into the promised land. Beloved, that's where God's taken us. When we remember the Lord's Supper, we're not only remembering the lamb that died, but we're also remembering the Lord Jesus who's going to lead us into the promised land. It's, going to, it's awesome. It's going to be incredible. Literally. We're literally in Revelation 19. We're going to come into the promised land with him. It's going to be cool. 
So Paul, like Jesus, was pointing to the feast to ensure forward progress for the church at Corinth. There's a reason it picks it up in verse 5 and talks about it, but then he, he doesn't deal with it again until chapter 11. Why? Because he, he's working through. He's working through the unleavened parts of that body. He's, he's, he's saying, guys, we've got we to gotta get this out. We need to deal with things with sincerity and truth. And then he gives them instruction on how to, to actually partake of that feast. Exodus 12.15 speaks to the seven days required to remove the leaven from the home before even celebrating the Lord's Supper, or the Passover. I got my, my fact is overriding my picture now. Uh, so he tells them, hey, it takes seven days, right? No leaven in your house. You got to clean out the dwelling place. And then you're ready to participate. Now, the first night, it wasn't like that, was it? Right, the first night they were rolling out, they're running, they're <laughs> trying to get away from the Pharaoh, and then God institutes this thing, and it's just and it's on. It's just the way you get saved. Jesus meets you right where you're at. But beloved, one of the things for those of us that are saved, right? We're, now we take an active part because we can in getting the leaven out. You're not just some victim to the world because of your idemic nature anymore. If you're saved, don't let the devil tell you that. You have the will. You have the ability to say no. You have the ability to take this carcass and clean it out. Guys, I'm sitting here overweight. My doctor told me a few months ago, she said, Brian, you need to lose weight. She looks at me in the eye and she says, you wrestled? I said, yeah. She says, you can lose weight. I said, yeah, you're right, I can. I just had someone someone had to tell me that. I come home, Amy's like, let's buy Nutrisystem. I'm like, why? I just need to make a decision. And I did. And it's terrible. But anyway. <laughs> but the point is something like this. You just got to make a decision. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sin anymore. And you will have to have people account, help you accountable, to hold you accountable at times. Right? Like at around 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> it's like this much sweet tea and not this much. You know. So, but the reality is, yeah. I mean, we need to clean out the house. I'm talking about our dwelling place. I mean, the church, too. We, we do the Lord's Supper so that we're right before God. Not because God wants to beat us down, and not at all. It's quite the opposite. It's because God is taking us places. And right now, this world, you can imagine, you can imagine how much right now the Holy Spirit of God wants to work in, in and through the local New Testament church. I mean, you can see it all over the landscape. This is the time for saints to clean out the house. Right to observe the Lord's Supper with sincerity and truth, and then to go forward in faith and accomplish God's mission in God's power. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to, to meet together this morning and observe the Lord's Supper together. With heads bowed.